Hey everybody, it's Desmond here. I uh, just wanted to give a little bit of a preface to this episode, just because we recorded it before the Oilers game, which was the first time that they got scoring from non-fourth liners in what seemed like a very long time. Um, yeah, it was nice to see Lee get on the board. Um, we talk about that a lot in this episode. Uh, he needs to, to keep that going. Um, the second power play unit seems like it's really started to show itself to be better than the first power play unit. Taves and Pulak have really established a really strong um, just chemistry together. And the way that second power play unit runs through them is something that uh, really makes that power play unit seem a lot more of a first power play unit than the Barzal one. Um, but a win's a win. You know, stay in at the top of the, the, the division can go away pretty quickly if you have a losing streak um, of any kind, especially when two of the teams chasing you have uh, Alexander Ovechkin and, and Sidney Crosby. Um, but yeah, uh, make sure to follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Dynasty Dodgers. We hope to have this up on Spotify and um Apple Music and all those other fun podcast points. Uh, probably going to run a lot of polls. That seems to be a pretty fun way of just simple way of engaging and, and discussing with you guys. And uh, we we plan to have quite a few episodes um, coming up with the on trade deadline, and uh, we're going to do something for that two twenty eight uh, affair with our old friend. But uh, without further ado. Dynasty Dodgers episode ten, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we have one week to go to the trade. A little over a week to go to the trade deadline, um, and uh, it's funny. So as we were getting set up for all our little uh, references for today's episode, uh, we're recording this Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon before the uh, Oilers game. I was uh, on Hockey Reference trying to find where the Islanders were, and I'm still still not used to the Islanders being first in the division because I, I couldn't find them for a moment when I was trying to click on them. Click on them. Yeah, it's, it's still weird. It's uh, I, I still see them on top of the, uh, the division and go, wow, this is a guy. This has got to end soon, right? Like, this is a very fickle position to be in. And they do only, last time I checked, only have like a three, yeah, three point lead on the caps, but it's not nothing. It's they're they're building themselves a cushion. They fluctuate between three and five points ahead, so it feels uh pretty weird still. And and I mean, if they can at least hold home ice advantage the way they are now, whether it's division and honestly, if this team can win the division outright, that would be so huge. I think for everything about what the new regime is trying to be, and for the pride of the roster, and for. Uh, trying to court players in the offseason. If they can hold home ice, at least the first round, well, the first round of it will be at the Nassau Coliseum per yesterday's report. Yeah, that was a pretty huge announcement. Uh, And and I know a lot of people are upset about it. 
Um, and, and I, I understand why, because in a perfect world, every single game is at the Nassau Coliseum. But, you know, we often forget that hockey is a business, and the reason why the, that the uh, NHL wants to put so many games in the Barclays Center is because you could fit a lot more butts in the seats. Probably, I'd have to check, but I think like between 1,500 and 2,000 more seats fit in the, in the uh, Barclays Center. So at a sold-out playoff game through an entire round plus, you know, the, the NHL was not about to give that up. So in a lot of ways, I was surprised they even let them have a round at the Coliseum. I wish that they would let them do them all there. But on the other hand, if the Islanders make it to the second round, they could play on the fucking moon for all I care. They're in the second round. So, Yeah, I'm actually pulling up the Brooklyn Nets schedule because I'm very curious as to whether or not that was also a logistical thing where, you know, they weren't going to have access or it was going to be hard to manage access at the Barclays Center. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's possible. I, I do like to believe that they'd find a way. Like, let's say the Islanders were playing their full time like they were, um, you know, not too long ago. They would have had to figure out a way to put every round at the Barclays Center. So I, I kind of feel like, you know, they would have made it work either way. But um, I, I feel like them letting the Islanders have a single round at the Nassau Coliseum, knowing full well that that is the most likely spot for them. Well, they, I mean,. While they haven't clinched the playoff spot, they're most likely to make the playoffs, which means they'll obviously be in the first round. So at least there's a near guarantee the Islanders will play playoff games at the Coliseum this year, whereas there really isn't a guarantee that they will play any playoff games at all at the Barclays Center this year. We all like to think they will, but they very well may not. So, Yeah, I mean, just the fact that they're you know, it, for the first half of the season, as they were doing for the first couple months when they were – you know, treading water, treading a little bit above water. Um, we were like, oh, man, what are they going to do if they make the playoffs? And, and the, the idea was like, well, it's a nice thought. They should play at the Coliseum. But it didn't. It seemed very hypothetical, whereas now it seems very uh, more of a logistical uh, and then literal question of, of where they were going to play. And because it seems like they're going to be a playoff team, I mean – just the, the other night, them playing the, the Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets had, had some good opportunities, but they seem like a team with with everything going on around Panarin and Bobrovsky that if they can even make the playoffs, who knows what that team's going to be a week from now, uh, roster-wise yeah, it, and standing-wise. Yeah, they're, they're a real interesting team to me, and I, I hate to sound like another Islanders fan who's just bitter, but... The amount of people I've heard say, like, well, you know, if you're Columbus, maybe you hang on to Panarin and Borowski because those are your rentals and take your shot now and, you know, take a swing at the cup and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, they're fucking, like, they're four points back of the Islanders. Well, I'm sorry, they're, they're seven points back of the Islanders. And I'm like, there's very few people, I think, who are saying, like, oh, man, the Islanders should go out there and take their swing who are Islanders fans. So the Islanders fans are clearly fucking out to sell the goddamn barn for uh, for Panarin right now, but and it's not to say there aren't some people who are saying that the Islanders are you know are going to take their shot and losing to take a shot, but the, I just feel like everyone's saying you know Columbus should hang on to those guys, Columbus should hang on to those guys, and you know take their shot, take their shot, take their shot at the Stanley Cup, and it's like okay, what about the team seven points ahead of them? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I also feel like the Blue Jackets. I feel like the division is bad enough that the Blue Jackets could, if they traded both of those guys, one, Bobrovsky 
has had a horrible year. Um, oh, yeah. So it's not even like, you know, losing him is that big of a deal um, with regards to their, their current success. I mean, I feel like if they if they trade those guys and get some NHL-ready bodies um, into their lineup, I feel like they still could make the play. I, they still could make one of those wild card spots because, uh, I don't know, I, I feel like that last wild card spot is probably going to be attainable enough. Short of Montreal getting a surefire scorer, that makes them more of a dynamic offensive threat, then I feel like that second wild card spot is going to be pretty, pretty up for grabs. Like the Hurricanes could could conceivably um, sneak in there. I don't think it's going to be that hard of a spot. So from the Blue Jackets perspective, I think they could. So whether or not the Islanders should be the team that makes that trade for Panarin, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like at some at some point in this episode we can really dive into that because I really don't know one, what I think they should do and two, what I think they're going to do. Um, I think it's, it really feels like a little bit of a, of a coin flip as far as when you factor in, what does the ownership think? What does Lou think? What, uh, how does this team stack up? What's, what's going to define this window? It's really hard to say. I, I really don't know. Um, but I think one of the things that is known is that they're going to be a playoff team. And I kind of feel like if they're going to be a playoff team, they need to, to make those games at the Coliseum as good as they can be. And as entertaining as they can be, they need somebody better than Casey Zizekas to be their leading goal scorer in the past month. Yeah. um, I mean, they, they managed to keep their, their position up at the top of the division, but the last handful of games, it started to look a little bit. The, the team started to look a little bit more human, and, and like you said, the the goal scoring has become a major issue. And it, I mean, it, it's sort of the problem that everybody had outlined before the season started, right? It, it was supposed to be the thing that made the Islanders live in the basement of the of the league this year was that they lost their best goal scorer, they lost their best player, and there wasn't a whole lot coming back you know, uh, or coming into the lineup to make them significantly more of a threat on offense. So, I mean, looking up and down the lineup right now, there isn't one single, and I mean not a single bona fide goal scorer besides Anders Lee, who's been cold as ice lately anyway. So, yeah, I mean, we aren't exactly breaking any new ground here by saying the Islanders need a, a legitimate scoring throughout the deadline, but it could be the one thing that holds them back from going further than they like to go in the playoffs. Now, the one thing I will say is they are, in a weird way, built for the playoffs on some level. I feel like these are the types of players that, you know, your third and fourth line guys who truly do win you a lot of games in the playoffs when the going gets tight and those goal scorers have a lot less room. But that being said, the Stars do generally take center stage anyway. So, yeah, it's it's pretty clear that there's a need for some, some additional offense because the perimeter passing is getting a little difficult to watch at times. I mean, so, so I'm looking at the, I'm looking at all the games they've played since the all-star break. And, yep. you know, they're, they've won quite a bit in that, in that range. However, um, and, and they did say these games are going to be tighter and a bit more challenging, but it's just that, I mean, okay, shut out by the Lightning. Again, that's a great, that's the best team by far in the league, but shut out by the Lightning. 
Um, they they beat the Kings, but that was a game that they had to come from behind in, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, yeah, they, they had a late victory in that one. You know, against the against the Bruins, they were really stifled. Um, it, it took the shootout uh, against the the Devils. Um, they came from behind against the Avalanche. Two one against the struggling. Two one win against the struggling Wild. A three one loss uh, to the the Sabers. That game was particularly rough to watch from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, uh, I. That one was was a serious case of too little too late. The first two periods, a whole lot of farting around, and then by the end of the period, the end of the game, they were absolutely peppering Olmark. But it was you know it was it was far too late at that point, and and the actual quality of chances you know could have been better. But uh, yeah, no, you're right. That that was a real tough one to watch. Uh, it really that was the one where you go, okay, the Devils game was not a fluke. You know the Bruins game was not a fluke. The Wild game was not a fluke. It, it, this team is having trouble scoring goals. And it it is probably just like lack of talent at this point. Yeah, that's where the the stress as a fan was starting to settle in um, because uh, my girlfriend said, "You seem unwell." Uh, as I was reacting to them not getting <laughs> scoring opportunities. Yeah, um, yeah, the they're very flat. Um, so, what do you do about that? I mean, we we don't want to dive. We did a little bit about the Panarin thing last time, and. We, you know, I I was pretty hard on the line of, you know, you don't trade for the guy when he made it extremely clear that he's going to free agency, pretty much regardless. Some people think that a team could change his mind in 20 games. It's not impossible. I still think that, you know, he's doing what he's doing because he wants his chance. So I, I don't know that trading for Panarin is, is, the, is the thing you want to do, um, unless you really feel like it gives you some kind of edge. But there's other guys out there. Uh, I still think Duchesne's a really intriguing guy. He's not a ridiculously high-octane goal scorer, uh, but he's certainly an offensive producer. And and that does change your center depth tremendously in, in a really positive way. Um, and he seems like a guy who's a little less um, dead set on free agency. He He's not even sure he wants to leave Ottawa just yet. And uh, seems a lot more concerned about uh, finding a good, a good place for his family to, to be raised and whatnot. So I think if there is a player you could trade for and sort of convince him in the 20 games plus playoffs, like, hey, look at Long Island. Sure is nice, isn't it? I bet you want to raise a family here. He could be a guy I could see being more swayed by a rental period and a little less uh, eager to jump into free agency. Whereas Pandaren's a younger guy and, and you know, I don't think has a, a whole like family system set up here or anything. So maybe that's a guy you target. Uh, a lot's been quiet on the Mark Stone front as well, too. So... No one really has even a clue what's going on there, but two guys that maybe you have a little bit of a better shot at, maybe I can get behind on a rental basis. But you know, I'm always a little hesitant about the whole rental thing. It, I don't, I'm trying to think of situations where it has truly worked. I think tons of cup contenders always load up on rentals, but they're usually cheap rentals. They're not, uh, you know, major superstars. I feel like those ones haven't gone as well as people like to think they have. I mean, uh, like, I, I, I agree. I think rentals in general are something that usually don't work and you only rent if you are conceivably that piece away from winning the cup or making a cup run this, you know, that, that same year. Um, but I don't, think, I don't think any player is worth a, a rental because the Islanders 
you know, they have some nice pieces. Um, I think Wallstrom is a guy that I would be willing to trade for any of these forwards that are on the market if they extend. Because I'm not going to trade a sniper um, who might not be NHL ready for another, you know, uh, after next season. But um, I don't know. I just feel like the Islanders are not close enough to lose that for a guy that won't be here next season. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I don't have any problem with uh, your bottom six rentals, your depth rentals, those kinds of guys, because you, you always see all these, you know, Jim Rutherford trades always every single year before making some kind of wild playoff run, and, and it's usually not a, a big guy, right? You know, he didn't pull his Phil Kessel as a rental. That was a big offseason deal that, that got him a guy with term, and you'll, you'll see him trade for your, you know, your Derek Broussard types and everything, and, and guys who can pick up a little extra slack when somebody gets hurt, because the playoffs are a war of attrition, and somebody's going to get hurt. So, as much as it's, like, enticing to sink your teeth in the idea of, you know, Panarin in Islanders jersey, or Duchesne in Islanders jersey, or Mark Stone in Islanders jersey, it's like, you know, the amount that you're going to have to give up unless the market somehow squeezes those guys, those teams to death, it, it's hard to justify. It's, it's hard to justify losing a big defenseman like Dobson or a sniper like Wallstrom, like you said. So, I yeah, no, I, I'm done with you on that one. I, I can't imagine feeling too good about, about selling the farm away just for a, a non-guarantee, especially when, when the Islanders have made it clear in a lot of ways that they want to take a run at these guys in the summer. So they have the space, they have the money. It, it almost seems silly, unless you're like you said, unless you're positive that this is your time to shine. Um, it, it seems like there's no reason why you can't sit them down in the summer and just say, "Look, we're going to give you a fuck ton of money to play here." And I guess the the fear is always that um, the Islanders have this sort of rep around them. Um, you know, little free agents don't want to play here, and all that place is a disaster, and the organization's you know flipped upside down. And they play in two different arenas, and it might be a difficult thing. So I think a lot of Islanders fans would like to see a player come here and be forced to play here for a little bit, because I think the tide tends to change pretty quickly with players. I remember getting to Bakov, you know, refusing to to report to camp, and uh, and, the, and and Johnny Boychuk was really upset about being traded from the Bruins. He made it very clear he didn't want to be, and he didn't really have much interest in coming to Long Island. And then Boychuk signed seven years after like forty games of his first season, so. I feel like, and, and Nabokov a quite a quick change of heart too, so I feel like a lot of players sort of go with the reputation and then get pretty pleasantly surprised once they have to get here. I'm hoping a bit of that has changed with you know the success, and like you said, if they can win the division, that helps. And hopefully <clears throat> the credibility of having Barry Trotz and Lou Amarillo at the top will hopefully be enough. But, you know, reputations are hard, are hard to wash. So I wonder how much that still exists. I'm, I mean... The the facts are that when you have Tom Kunakel uh, playing in your top six, something else yeah. needs to be brought in that's better than that. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. That that made me want to fall down. Granted, he did get an assist on that third goal against the the Blue Jackets, but that was kind of a broken play situation. And uh, yeah, I I think it's it's weird because you know the the talk is about how. You know, Ladd and Hickey, who just uh, I think just a couple hours ago were are announced that they're on a conditioning loan to Bridgeport, yes. mm-hmm. so they're going to be playing and just getting their you know their their legs and conditioning 
um, back. So, so both those guys will be in the lineup, but are we talking Andrew Ladd being put into that, you know, top six, uh, top six left wing role? Um, you know, and, and assuming yeah, that honestly, that's going to be good enough. I, it's, to, I to be honest, I don't know if it's necessarily good enough, but I have to say, and I'm probably the outlier on this because the insane just venom the Islanders fans have for Andrew Ladd, who's, who's a guy who's been basically injured since the minute he got here. So I try not to judge him all that much, but there was a brief period of time where he was on a line with Matthew Barzell, and they complemented each other phenomenally, like really, truly well. And I've been wanting, since he's been injured, to see him back in that spot. Because, think about it, nearly every line mate that Matthew Barzell has had is extremely trigger shy. And if there's one thing that Andrew Ladd is not, it's trigger shy. He's got a heavy shot, and he's a guy who does think to shoot the puck first. And he might be slow, but that's going to be made up for the fact that Barzell zipping around the rink by himself and draws so many defenders to him. So I, I really, really think if there's a spot for a slow, powerful shooter like Andrew Ladd, it's on a line with Matthew Barzell, especially with Josh Bailey, too, because right now, as it stands, uh, or right, bef- right before now, it was Michael Dalcole uh, with, with Barzell and Bailey, and neither one, none of those guys are shoot-first guys. And then throwing Kunakel, I mean, that's, that doesn't need to be explained why that's ridiculous. Like, that's just insane and just ridiculous. But I, I almost understand in, in a very bizarre way why Barry Trotz even thought that, because one, to his credit, his options are extremely limited. I mean, what, what is he really going to do besides what he was doing? And it was not working. So he looks at who's at his disposal. That's Tom Kunakel. And in the back of his brain, he's probably thinking, well, this guy is set for so many games. He knows what we're frustrated about. He's probably going to eat up the idea of playing with Barzell and try to fucking shoot everything he can at the, at the net. So I'm not saying it's a good decision, but I can almost see where he comes from on that. And I think having Ladd back, you do end up with an actually skilled player who can shoot the puck quite well. And I really, 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 really think should get a look on the on the left side with Barzell. And then you have a little flexibility with your other players then too. You're not forced to put Tom Kunak on the lineup. Yeah, I, I just feel like it's not an ideal thing, but I, I don't know that the Islanders should. I'm looking at all the pending free agent forwards, and I, I don't know that the asking price for any of these guys that are de- like definitively would be um, upgrades. I don't know that uh, short of it of a sign and trade that it would be worth what it would require to get a Duchesne, to get a Panarin, to get a Stone. I think those guys would be, those are the, the clear cut definitive um, upgrades that, that yeah. jo- join and, and be great. But I don't know that the Islanders, um, I, I think that trading for any of those guys without an extension would be a mistake. Yeah, because I, I agree. And, it might be hard to get one done. It seems, like I said, it'll be impossible to get one done with Panarin. But, uh, yeah, I'm a little worried because I've heard from a few guys. Now, no one knows what Lamorell is thinking. I'm not even positive Lamorell knows what he's thinking. He's a very quiet guy. He's a very private guy. So even the most inside of the inside don't have really a good read on what he's doing. Except that everyone seems to think he is going big game hunting. Which kind of terrifies me a little bit. Because I, I really thought about it. He's 76, I believe. Yes. He, I mean, on a totally personal level, is Lou Lamorello really in this for the long haul? To really worry about 
how Dobson and Wallstrom develop. I mean, I mean, Oliver Wallstrom might not have played an NHL game until Lou was pushing 80. So, <laughs> in yeah. a weird way, and I'm not saying he's a dumb guy who's going to sell the future away for his own personal reasons, but he's here to win. He's here to win cups, and, and he's probably gotten a little more than he expected out of this team, and he's not a dumb guy. <clears throat> um, but I, I could see him being like, eh, fuck it. Like, let's just go. And I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I'm a, I'm a little I'm a little concerned about that. But who knows? Maybe he can cook up some kind of side and trade. But what has spooked me in the last couple of days was talks about Ilya Kovalchuk. I hate that idea. I really, really hate that idea. He's been lackluster for L.A., and this was supposed to be the quote-unquote good year. This was supposed to be the one or two years that he had left in the tank, and he's really been pretty poor and you're gonna take on three more years of that I, I i don't care how much he can maybe possibly help a power play like it's it's just a recklessly stupid idea i don't think should even be remotely considered yeah. but i'm sure he, he has what like how many years left he has like three I think, three yeah. yeah and and he's 36 see, or seven I, yeah, look he's I 30 something like that let me look he's 35 but has three more years left on his deal after this one yeah, and you know they had on uh, on the ILC podcast. He had he had some guy I think from like XM, uh, Sirius XM Radio that like covers the, the 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 California teams that gave kind of some background on Kovalchuk and Toffoli and uh, uh, Jacob Silverberg because those are guys that have been rumored around the Islanders. And you know one of the things that was said about uh, about Kovalchuk was that despite his numbers not being great. It's that he's playing against the, you know, opponents have said that he still has the fire and he's still hard to play against. But how much is that, you know, people not insulting a guy who's a, who's a perennial all-star. Regardless, I, I don't think the Islanders should make that move. And I don't picture Lou making that. I hope not. I swear, if Lou makes that move, I'm going to go, are you, old people <laughs> suck. I, like, that's where it's going to be uh, old Old people bias is going to be really, really strong. Yeah, um, I, I'm even looking at his possession metrics right now. They're they're just certainly not great. But like, but it, uh, part of me thinks, okay, he's playing for a fucking dog shit team, but he's not always playing with dog shit players. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Like he, he's he's gotten his fair shake with Kopitar and stuff, and it, it wasn't working out. And then Kopitar is about as good as they get. So I don't know. I, I mean. Maybe you put Kovalchuk in a new setting and a new team that's doing well, and, and you light a fire under his ass. But it's not this year I'm particularly worried about. It's what do you do the next three years with a rotting Ilya Kovalchuk? Like, please, just let's not yeah. go down this road. Like, but that, that to me would be the ultimate. We got in way over our heads because we got real excited about having one good year and totally lost sight of where this team actually may or may not be. Like, that, that would be the ultimate admission of we totally got ahead of ourselves here. And, and and there are some things like see I I don't see that happening with Silverberg he is younger he fits uh, he's twenty seven, um but word is that he really wants to stay with the Ducks and if he how how that I don't know is so fucking shot it's shot. insane they've lost like a hundred of their last hundred and one games like they're like the worst team in the fucking world. And because the Western Conference is such a pile of flaming dog shit, they are somehow still in it. And they now have their GM behind the bench who's never coached a goddamn game in his entire mm. life in the NHL. It's such a nightmare. 
Like, honestly, if I'm the Ducks and Silverberg truly feels that way, sign his ass right the fuck now to, like, a 20-year <laughs> extension because, like, like, who are you going to find who wants to do what he wants to do? That's insane. Yeah, yeah. I did not hear that, but that's fucking insane. Yeah, I... I... That from their perspective, you gotta you gotta strike while the Stockholm syndrome's hot, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Um, That's exactly it. I I just so like he's a guy that that he's twenty seven. I imagine he would cost a bit of money. Uh, he, he would cost a bit of assets to to trade for him. Sure. Um, yeah. So uh, like again, that, that's one of those things. I'm not going to trade the the requisite assets um, unless. I'm getting to at least talk extension before making the trade. And then within the division, there are guys that because it's within the division, um, that's going to be a lot. Uh, you know, um, Hayes and Zuccarello mm-hmm. um, from the Rangers, Marcus I've Johansson heard, from the Devils. I like Johansson a lot. And, and if there's a possibility of somebody going, uh, it, it could be him because I feel like the Devils knowing so, you know, how far out of it they are. I don't think they're, all that concerned about trading to divisional rival, uh, especially a guy who I believe he, he's expiring. You said right? Yes, yes. Yeah, and and he didn't go for much to begin with. I know the Caps were in a bit of a bind when they traded him. I believe he got let go for just a second round pick, um, but yeah. they were they were in a hell of a salary bind. So I'm not saying you get him for that price, but he didn't go for much to begin with, and his expiring deal. And he the Devils are horrible enough to maybe not really worry about trading the division. I could see it. I could see in a weird way that working. I would like that. I'm a big fan of, of Johansson. He's not like an incredible player, but he's always been fun to watch. So I, I you know, I get behind that without taking there's, too far into his advanced numbers. I, I think I can get behind that. And there, there's Wayne Simmons, although I saw, I believe Bob McKenzie say that, that a lot of scouts recent that saw Simmons recently have, uh, have been scared, have, have been scared away a little bit of his, uh, I mean, whether that's, they're, they're afraid that he is, uh, past his like past the point of giving him a a good long contract or what but um you know he's a guy that uh would help the power play seemingly but he's he'd be another anders lee and and uh you know that wouldn't change because the islanders need stylistic change yeah exactly i don't think you know pulling a guy like Wayne simmons is exactly what they need they need guys like uh, like Duchesne or Panarin that will ideally they need someone that can snipe like Tarasenko. The reason we all latched onto that was because what a perfect fit stylistically he would be for the Islanders. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But that's not going to happen, especially now that the blues have turned their season around. Like, you know, it, it took them a while to gel. That's not going to happen. I think we talked about it either the previous episode or the one before it, how we all kind of jumped the gun on that. And we didn't realize maybe, how bad the Western Conference was that I think every team, no team is more than like seven points out of the, like six or seven points out of the playoffs. Yeah, and, and with the way that the, the fucking Ducks have played, the Ducks are seven points out of the playoffs and have, like I said, they've lost nearly 200,000 games this year. Yeah. And they're still somehow within spitting distance. I mean, they're not going to make a seven-point distance. They're just not because they're a horrible team. But the fact that it's not worse is insane to me. Yeah, I, I mean, t- to that end, I wonder if this means that an in, an, uh, in inner um, conference and maybe even inner division trade doesn't have as high a um, cost rate because 
if the Western Conference, you know, if, if unless those teams decide that they really want to sell um, aggressively, then you know the market is what the market is. What like, and if it's mostly Eastern Conference teams that are willing to say, "Yep, I'm a seller. I'm not going to make it," then they're not competing against Western Conference teams. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, like I know this is a totally fucking useless side note, but I want you to guess what the Anaheim Ducks goal differential is. Just, just guess. Give me, give me three guesses. Negative thirty-five. Nope. Uh, okay, the next number is say warmer or hotter. Negative fifty. Uh, you're you're much warmer than you were. You were you were Jesus. Much closer. <laughs> Negative seventy-five. What was that? Negative seventy-five. No, God, that would be completely insane. Negative fifty-seven. Okay, that's still <laughs> and insane. And they're still not even the worst team in the West. That honor goes to L.A., who is in negative 36, but negative 57. And that's with a near Vezina performance from, uh, from John Gibson every single fucking night. Yeah, his stats got wrecked in the past month, but it, it's funny. Now, now it's come out that it, there's a little bit of a DiPietro era Islanders going on with the Ducks right now, where it's like, yeah. oh, you don't have anything but this goalie that like is playing Rules. out of his mind. <laughs> but, um, oh, now he's hurt. He, he has like a back injury, a knee injury. He has a, an upper, mid, and lower body injury like all at once, I believe. Literally. Yeah, that's fucked. That's literally completely fucked. That team is 100%. I mean, everyone shit on Ottawa so hard and very rightfully so. But I feel like Anaheim being where they are geographically, while they've been made fun of a little, has kind of skated under the radar for how fucking insanely terrible they've been. And the fact that the West is so bad that it doesn't look as bad. But I really feel like that team has just gotten kind of a pass for being a complete fucking dumpster. Hmm. You know, and, and I had a thought here that um, regarding trades, this guy has two years left on his contract, so it's not not that uh, appealing. But I was wondering if, like, an Artem Anisimov type guy would yeah. be – Cheap enough to buy. He's experienced. Um, is he like uh, the not quite sexy, but not quite dud of a trade to make? But he does have two more years after this year, so he might not. Yeah, be... and he is. You know, he looks like a solid third line player at a glance. Uh, I don't think he's playing with anybody all that spectacular without looking at their actual line combinations, but. 26 points through 54 games. He's on pace for, I guess, what, around 40, 40-something points. Definitely a useful player. Um, Somebody who can definitely bolster the scoring a little bit. Um, But, yeah, with two years on term, I'm not sure. It's an interesting player to kick around. I'm not sure it's it's somebody they're going to go for, but I I can definitely see Lou being a smart enough guy to really poke around for the guys that no one's really thinking about. Um, and I guess that kind of depends on what Chicago thinks about their team, right? I mean, they're, I think they're bad, but they're, they've, ha- they've won a few games recently, and all of a sudden, you know, that, that changes the tide, and I, I don't think it should. I think they're still a pretty bad team. They're, as it stands, three points out of the playoffs, so I'm not sure that Chicago's looking to sell off, because they probably should, but I think they're still kind of selling to their fan base that... Oh no! Look, we're 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 so close. You know, how could we sell off right now? We're we're just a few points away, and and you know, 
So I, I kind of have a feeling that Chicago's going to hang in there. I, I feel like they're really going to do little to nothing. But I'm sure I'm going to totally fucking eat my words for saying that. But I just feel like they're kind of they're going to try to kind of hang around because they know they can't buy. It. They're not that dumb, but I feel like they also don't want to sell their fans that they're totally they're out of it. You know, because like you said, no, literally nobody's out of it. Yeah, bad so, doesn't mean anything in the NHL West this season. It does not. It truly doesn't. I mean, Arizona's still five points back with a game in hand. I know that's a lot of ground. I mean, five points is not nothing. But it's, you know, even teams that you don't even think about are really just not that far off. So, but so anyways, um, back to our boys. Well, yeah, and, and speaking of Lou being smart enough to poke around, one, one of the many feel-good stories, obviously, for the Islanders and around the league has been – Robin Lehner, who I think is, it's, I mean, it's redundant now to say, but I feel like he's dispelled any interest that the Islanders, him and Thomas Grice, have dispelled oh, yeah. any, any need the Islanders were going to have to really swing for the fences with, uh, for, for Bobrowski. And I think Bobrowski, with his, his performance both on and off the ice uh, and in the hallway and in the locker room um, in Columbus, has really scared away any interest the Islanders would have had. Um, the Islanders aren't going to have to spend as much on goaltending as it seemed like they were going to probably look to spend um, yeah, this upcoming offseason. I truly love it. I, I think that was one of my biggest question marks going into the season was, like, I, I was never a huge Grice believer, honestly. I can say I, it, I can eat my words on this one right now. Um, I still want, I'm not entirely convinced the sample size is big enough to, to, to peg him, but you know, he, he's proven over the years as an Islander that he's either absolutely brilliant or really just unreliable. But now that he's playing uh, behind a competent structure, he looks phenomenal. He really does. So, But going into the season, I was thinking, well, Grice and Leonard, who's coming off of a hell of a lot of a life stuff, and I just don't know how this is going to fare. I really thought it was going to be maybe one of the weakest points of the team, and here we go. Um, best goaltending tandem in the league, like just like everybody predicted. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I love it. I, I really think that that bought them a lot of breathing room that they needed uh, to spend money elsewhere. And uh, and, and I'm, I'm glad for Leonard. He's earned that contract. And, and so what do you think he does? Do you think he stays on the island? Because, you know, one, things have gone so well. And two, so the Islanders gave him that chance. Um, I, I kind of feel like he's the kind of guy who's gonna who's gonna pay back Lou by by resigning here, um, and and I think a lot of that's gonna get complicated by, uh, or either complicated or simplified by the by the Ilya Sorokin situation. If Sorokin just straight up stays over in Russia, then there's no discussion to be had. You resign Leonard and and go with the same duo again. But if he does express interest in coming over, that's when things get a little interesting. I mean, I, I think so. What I think is going to happen is I think I think Leonard is definitely going to stay. And I uh, th- there's a couple of reasons. One, the loyalty side of things, um, you know, that people talk about how Lou is much nicer and more accommodating and understanding to uh, to Leonard in the offseason um, than any of the other GMs were. Gave him a chance. Um, you know, he also is getting to work with um, Mitch Korn and Piero Greco. Um, you know, th- that seems to be the, the, you know, the goalie whisperer thing seems to be pretty legit. Like, you know, if, oh, you're, yeah. if you're working, you know, we both have, have played in bands. So it's like the equivalent of getting to work with the producer that you've always wanted to work with. You know, hey, I mean? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you may have the talent, but need to be unlocked. 
And, and exactly. that's kind of the thing that, that seems to be going on. And, and I was listening to 31 Thoughts, actually, on my way home uh, to record this. And, and Elliot Freeman brought up a really interesting conversation he had with Thomas Grice. Last year, the Islanders were getting absolutely peppered from every single direction, just could not get a fucking save. And, and Freeman asked him, he goes, well, what's, what's different this year? And he goes, I know where the shots are coming from. And, and that's, <laughs> that's huge. You know, that's, that, to me, speaks to the structure of the team more than even the goaltending coaching. is just the, the actual team defense. They know where the shots are coming from. The goaltenders don't have to guess any number of pinballing ways that the puck could end up in the back of the net. And I thought that was a really, really, really interesting quote. It just, just honestly, I know, I know where the shots are coming from this year. Like, that's amazing to me how much that can – to me, that, that is, is tangible proof of, of how important coaching is. Because there was a time where I truly questioned, in today's NHL where the players are all so good and so well-trained prior to hitting the league, my, I really had thoughts of, well, how much really does a coach do? And how much of it is these guys know you maybe when to push the right buttons for an already talented team, that's why they win Stanley Cups. Yeah, and, and the reason I, I, I started to think that was around 2009 when Dan Milesma came in and had not a look of experience at the NHL level and immediately wins a Stanley Cup in half a season. And I'm just like, was this guy really great? Or, or, like, or did it just like losing Michelle Terry and behind the bench shake up the boys and that was enough? But this year I've become a full-on believer in, in, in how, much, uh, how much of a role the coaching plays. Coach, yeah, I mean, coaching is a big thing um, to, to that regards to that um, Grice quote about knowing where the shot's coming from. There's a very good, I believe, Players Tribute article from a couple of years back but from Jonathan Quick about the hardest guys for him to um, – some of like, the favorite saves he's made and also some of the hardest players for him to uh, play against, shooters for him to anticipate. Right. He talked about how the kind of the – the uh, throwaway criticism that, that people give to to save sometimes where it's like, oh, well, he shot it right into his glove or, you know, um, basically feeling like a lot gets discredited um, from goalies sometimes. And that so much of the game is like from the goalie standpoint is it's based on anticipation, like a couple steps ahead Uh Right. The game. There's so many moving parts where like they have to they have to feel comfortable knowing this defenseman's going to be playing it like this. Uh th this defenseman's gonna be playing this angle like this. So I know that this guy is probably only gonna be able to do this with the puck. So I'm gonna um pretty much be set on throwing this shape out there. Right. Like, exactly. It's it's all oh, well, he blew it right into his chest. Well, why was his chest there? Yeah. <laughs> why, yeah. Why was his chest where it was? Well, we could, like you said, he knows. Okay, I'm playing with Johnny Boychuk. Johnny Boychuk favors this type of play on a two-on-one. I can now square up to the shooter a lot more with trust in my defenseman to make sure that passing lane is taken away. And 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 no one's gonna see that that pass get across. And and then of course one time in the net and blame the goaltender. But if he gets beat short side on two-on-one everyone's going to blame that goaltender. You know, oh, he just blew right by him versus, ah, we got left out to dry. So if you have a good enough defensive system, you get a lot more of those, well, you know, you, you get a lot more great saves and a lot less, oh, he got left out to dry. Um, yeah, who, and, knew, and who knew Doug White just uh, yelling, you know what, just go out there and uh, try to score? Um, that <laughs> who knew best. that would be a great strategy? Yeah, so, the best so what is that? for goalie. So what is it? 
so what do we think that does for Leonard? I mean, I, I like to think that he 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 sticks around. Um, I think I think going in the season with some combination of Leonard Grice uh, and Sorokin, any to any two of those three at this point, I could say I'm confident with because of how amazing these two goaltenders have played in front of this system. If it was Grice and Sorokin, fine. If it's Leonard and Sorokin, fine. If it's Leonard and Grice again, Sorokin's over in Russia. Honestly, fine. As long as I think any combination of those three guys, I I can honestly feel pretty pretty confident in, um, considering how stingy the defense has been. Well, well Grice, Grice is signed for next year as well. He's um, already in. He's already in yeah. no matter what. Yeah. He's already he's in. Already. So I, what I think is going to happen, and uh, the other part of why I think Le- uh, Leonard's going to stay and why I think it's going to be good for the Islanders cap is that, uh, and it's tied to Grice. Laner's been great, but they've been splitting games. So yeah. as far as like leverage, he doesn't get to play the whole workhorse of like, look, you know, I'm your guy that plays 60 games, 55, 60 games. They're probably right. going to both end up getting, one of them's going to have like, what, like 42 and the other's going to have 40 at most. If one of them really takes the reins down the stretch, it'll be like a 45, 30 whatever the you know it's going to be close very close oh yeah i'd be surprised if it's not nearly dead even like you said as it stands grice has put up 30 games and leonard's sitting at a hot 31 (laughs) so (laughs) yeah uh, you know Assuming that uh, maybe Grice gets the start tomorrow at this point, maybe maybe Barry Trotz is sitting here looking at this game's play number, and that's how he's decided his goaltenders. I don't know, but yeah, I find it hard to believe that that either one of them is really going to grip the reins because even in the stretches of the season when one goalie has been fantastic, neither one has really, even in those scenarios, been given like just they're just given the reins. Uh, like Grice has got in his last six games, I think he's allowed like what, like four goals or something like that. Like, oh, it's crazy. He, yeah, he's so, had three shutouts in the past six starts. So right, and, uh, and I'm going. Well, I bet you, I'd still bet my like my like one of my legs that Leonard starts like you know the next game because uh, yeah, it's it's creating this um this healthy. I don't even want to call it a healthy competition because I don't get that vibe from it. I almost feel like these guys are just like tag teaming each other in and out of games. You know what I mean? Like between games and. And it almost feels like okay, now it's Leonard's turn to go out and steal a show. It's <laughs> so, a new day, yes, it is. It's it's phenomenal. It's it's one. It's I can't believe I haven't had to worry about the Islanders goaltending a single time this year. I, um, I think I think the way this is going to shake out monetarily because the, the um is that because so when they were, they were playing the the Wild the other day, I felt like Devin Devin Dubnik on the Wild kind of had a similar thing where his career got revived with the Wild. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. He, he was a workhorse there, but but he, you know, and he paid them back by signing a long contract. And looking at Cap Friendly, so the contract he signed uh, was for 4.333 uh, 3, blah, 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 million for six years. I don't know if the Islanders need to go that long. I'm not sure that they should. But the, the cap hit at the time was for 6%, uh, 6.07%. So the equivalent to that, um, for this year's salary cap, and granted that might you know go up at the end of the year or whatever. We'll but, just go um, with this year for now, yeah. For this year, it's about four point eight three. Nice. So four point eight three, and then you know you have three three point three three with Grice. You have so much more money, so you have your goaltending locked in, and you have so much more money to you know if uh, if Duchesne makes free agency, 
get that done. If, yeah. uh, uh, I see, and I think they really do need a, a center. A winger would be great as well, but I feel like center depth is important. I think either way, if they get, if they can get their hands on anybody this off season, that's a bona fide under 30 top six forward. You do it. Yeah. Especially who, who, since, can you complain about any of, any, any of those top three names between Stone, Duchesne, and Panarin? I'll literally take any one of them <laughs> with a huge smile on my face. So, um, as far as Leonard's concerned, 31 years old, I mean, I'm comfortable giving him up to even four years. Uh, I mean, uh, goalies tend to age a lot better than skaters. Um, no, no, he, he's, he's also, younger, I'll, I believe. Oh, I'm sorry. What am I looking at? <laughs> I'm looking at his games played. He's 27 yeah. years old. Yeah, I thought yeah, he's he was young. younger than that. Yeah, yeah. So you give Leonard four to five years, I have not a single problem with that. And I think he's earned it, honestly. And I, and I think he's built for success because his his game playing style is very compact. He is, he doesn't make any dramatic movements. And he doesn't. He's not like Ricky Pietro, sort of athletic goaltender where they're sort of flailing all over the place. I, I think he's the kind of uh, guy who really does have a, a long career ahead of him still at twenty seven. And and uh, you know the more money that they can shore up, you know goaltending. If they keep goaltending under a combined just over a combined eight million for their tandem. Yes. That's phenomenal. I mean, that's that's they're less playing than, like they're playing like a ten million dollar goalie right now. The yeah, two of them together. So yeah, yeah, and and to that end, that that'll help them shore up a lot of because I mean, as, while we're talking contracts, Lee is still unsigned. Man, and, that's and, that that's one that I between Lee uh, and, and Nelson, I feel like I'm hearing so little about it, and and part of me thinks that. Like in a weird way, Islanders fans are not concerned about it because they kind of just assume it's going to get done. At least for Lee, uh, maybe not as as confident in Nelson, but I, I just I'm not hearing anything about it. That's like the only observation I have on the situation. You heard about Everly for a while, and and it, the way it seems to be panning out is the Islanders will probably hang on to Everly in the form of a rental. And I'm not ruling out resigning either because in the beginning I, I really thought there was no chance he gets resigned, but he's been so great lately. Uh, I mean, not like in the last few games, but he turned it on heavily after coming back from his injury that I can almost see them finding a way to keep him, maybe. Um, obviously, contingent upon what happens with Nelson and Lee, but I feel like with Nelson and Lee, people are just sort of writing it off like it's going to happen. Like they're just going to resign them because they're Islanders and that's the way it's always been, <laughs> you know? I mean, um, I think Nelson, Nelson, short of them getting a Duchesne, like, short of them getting Duchesne, or some other center that is is you know Better. getting getting haze in the off season. Uh, short short of that, I, I don't. And honestly, Hayes and, and Nelson are kind of similar to me. I, yeah, I, I don't know that. Uh, I think Nelson, I, I'm not that worried about Lee. See, Lee's a bit of a concern also because he's been he's been dead cold lately. How yeah, he's, money, he's not doing himself any favors. I was just about to say the same thing. How much money do you give him? You know, he's a guy that, uh, w- w- for reasons uh, I'm not too sure about, um, and I'm not, I, I won't comment on at this moment, he's not going to hit 40 goals the way he did last year. And we no, all kind of no. thought that might happen, that probably would happen. But the last month or so, he's just been quiet. cold. Just Cole, last five games this show on, on Hockey Ref, and he's got a single point in his last five games. That was an assist against Colorado. 
And, and obviously, guys get go through streaks, and especially goal scorers, it's it's a weird league. It's tough, tough league to score goals in. So I get it. But if if he doesn't really truly sort of get it in gear in the next uh, in the next ten fifteen games down the stretch, he's gonna cost himself a lot of money. Um, and I, and I don't doubt at all that in my brain, I don't. Th- it, I think the reason he he did not sign an extension immediately upon being eligible to in the summer um, was definitely. Not because he didn't want to. I, I kind of get the feeling that with the new regime coming in, they're like, hey, listen, especially with, with Lou's clean slate quote where he's like, whatever happened before me doesn't matter to me. I want to see what's in front of me. I, if if it was up to Lee and his agent coming off a 40-goal season, he probably would have signed a nice fat deal right in that offseason the minute he could. And they were probably calling Lou to get that done. Um, and And I could see Lou just being like, you know what? we're going to deal with this down the stretch because he's a smart guy and he's not just going to see a 40 goal season next to Tavares and throw, you know, fucking $80 million at him. And I'm really glad that he didn't, but yeah, it seems like in, in the last few, uh, last few games, he's definitely cost himself some money if he doesn't really turn it around quick. I, I'm very curious. And it, it makes the whole captain seat. I, I don't think that, I think he's a good captain. I just don't yeah. know. It's weird now. See, it's weird because if you were going to be in a situation where you were going to have to do negotiating, why would you give him – giving him the captaincy gave Lee leverage? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And You're it was right. a weird that, thing to concede. That doesn't make it odd to sort of combat my point uh, of – it's. It seems like the Islanders wanted him to stay, and we're kind of courting him. And I, I kind of forgot about that in my last little monologue there. Um, yeah. So that, that actually is an interesting thing. I didn't think about it. It seems like they were courting him to stay, but then he probably also wanted to stay off forty goals, unless he's a little less captainish than maybe people peg him out to be, and he and he wanted to take his chances on uh, free agency too. Who knows? I I just know that see. With the whole, because the Wayne Simmons thing that you know, they, they're pretty comparable um, style-wise. I think I think Simmons is a bit more dynamic um, than he's also two years old, though too. Yeah, he's older. He's That's older. Um, but I just, uh, it's one of those things where, and, and Lee's never had his. Uh, how much is Lee making this year? Let me let me pull that up. Lee's going to look for a raise, no matter you know what what happens this year. Yeah, for sure. So he's making three seven five. Oh, hell yeah, he's due for in the range of six to eight, uh, as long as he can keep his production up. But yeah, or his well, cap hits three. His cap hits three seven five. He's making a base salary of five this year. Um, I feel like okay. you're gonna at least okay. you're gonna at least start there, probably. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, right now he's sitting at thirty eight points. You figure his pace, maybe you can put up another fifteen to twenty. I mean, you're not talking. I'm gonna take that back. You're definitely not talking eight million dollar numbers at all. I'm, I'm again, I, even me. I'm just being influenced by my own Islanders fandom and what I've seen from the last few years. But if you really look at it on paper in this final season of his contract, he's he's playing like a four to five and a half million dollar player. I just, I think they, I hope they will resign him just because, like, what happens then if they? He's on pace for about 25, 26 goals, which is good. Yeah. Which is but, not nothing. <laughs> but at the same time, how much are how much are they going to pay for that? Um, especially 
I don't know. I, I think uh, I think they'll keep them. There's just this weirdness to me as to like what the hell's the holdup? Um, because yeah. there's going to be teams that are going to want him. A lot of teams, especially the teams that maybe yeah, and- are the opposite of the Islanders, where they um, have a bunch of great finesse but need some more meat in in front of the net. Yeah, and he's the type of player who has gone through cold spots before too. Let's not forget. I, I wish I remembered exactly when, but it had to be. It wasn't last season, but I think it was the one before where he went through a pretty heavy time of, of really not scoring goals for a while, and then came back with forty the next year. So he is the kind of guy who does disappear for a little bit, and and that happens. Like I said before, it's a hard league to score goals in. So he, and he does have an extremely unique style, um, and that's really really important to the team. So I really hope they do re-sign him. Um, but like I said earlier in the in the in the year when we first started uh first started a little podcast here, I remember saying that I was skeptical about Lee because of just uh the wear and tear on his body and, and I don't know if I want a seven or eight year deal for him, like a max contract. And um maybe that trend is bucked because of uh, Matthews, but also Lee is a lot older than Matthews. So he's twenty eight, he's looking for that max deal. At this point of his career, this is the last big contract he's going to get, and he's not gonna sell for a two to four year deal because what is, what's that going to look like for him when he's 30 or 30 or one or 32 and then trying to sign yet another contract it's not going to be pretty so at this point he's at that pull the trigger get as many years as possible contract so it's going to be a little bit of a tough spot for the islanders and for me as a fan to see if he if he does ink like a seven-year deal i'm probably going to cringe a little bit but i don't know he's a weird player i really have a weird a weird time seeing where he's going to go you know, so I a, a, a comparable player that just came to mind was uh, age-wise and style-wise, James Van Riemsdyk. Okay. Um, and in the offseason, this past offseason, Philly signed him for um, five years. He was he was twenty nine at at the age of signing. Huh. Five five year length with a seven million dollar cap hit. Yeah, he, he's probably in about that range. Uh, right. Let's see. Van Riemsdyk's actually got 10 less points than Anders Lee, but also in significantly less games. Yeah, he's, he's, he's rocking a 28 points in 41 games versus Lee's 38 and 57. So he, I didn't do the math, but off the top of my head, I think his points per game is probably slightly better, but they're pretty similar. Seven, seven million for Anders Lee, I probably would do. You assume that the cap keeps going up. Um yeah, that, that's another thing too that people seem to freak out about when they, when they see like a number come out, like oh, geez, he's not worth that. I'm like, yeah, maybe he's not worth that right now. But if you signed a five year deal and the cap goes up every one of the five years, it doesn't look so bad suddenly. And uh, the other thing here is the Islanders need to keep. Uh, see, they're in a weird place. They need to keep, um, you know, the morale high, but and and all that other feel good narrative shit. But there's also money, and there's also Matt Barzell, who is not due for contract this summer, but the next summer. Yeah, and, and that's the guy that they absolutely need. Oh yeah, for sure. Like that, we can't go through this again. <laughs> like we, he he is our golden son, and we need we need this badly. Um, but I mentioned earlier uh, briefly that that Matthew sort of bucked the trend. Um, where a lot of a lot of star players were just sort of doing their ELCs and their second contract was as long as possible, you know, uh, i.e. Connor McDavid. Um, 
And that's only been, I shouldn't say it's been like, it's not like it's, it's a decade long trend or anything. Even Tavares himself took a five year deal after his first. And that's where he ended up in that 27 year old uh, third contract. Um, so then you have to think about that. Is Barzell going to go for the, the eight year max? Is, is he that committed to this team where he's like, fuck yeah, or is he going to go, well, you know what? Let me see where this goes and I'll give him four or I'll give him five or I'll give him six or something like that. You know, I, I could see that happening. Um, but I, I think a lot, and I mean a lot of that, rides on how this season ends and how, how next season starts to go. I would like to think that the second he's eligible to sign an extension in July, he will. But it doesn't seem to be the case for most players recently. Um, so I, 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 think, I think how many years he commits to this team truly, truly, truly depends on how, how the next season and a half or so go. Yeah, or not I season mean, and a half, but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah, about about yeah. You know that Matthews contract did did break the mold a bit. I I'm really curious to see how many more young you know guys that are ending in their ELCs are, are going to be making moves like that where they uh, they take um, shorter term. Um, I, but see, the thing with the Matthews thing is that's that's a complicated thing because Toronto ha- has their whole um defined window because they need to make it work because they feel they felt that they weren't anticipating Tavares coming but when they got him they had to restructure everything and so it's a little bit there I, I feel like more of a comparable thing is maybe Jack Eichel uh-huh. um I think Jack Eichel um is a guy that uh, he you know he's the center piece of a team that uh is well, and see, the Islanders are somewhere between those two because the Sabres were just a mess and Jack Eichel was like seemingly the only guy worth a damn for a moment there. Now they've gotten some more pieces, yeah. but it was like, uh, that was kind of more of a Tavares thing where it's like, oh, this guy clearly is the dude that's going to call the shots He's for the this franchise. franchise. Right. Yeah. Right. But um, with that in mind, I, I feel like there, there's a very real chance that uh, – Barzell commands a Eichel like ten million cap hit, maybe a little less. Yeah, no, especially if the cap continues to go up. Can keep mind, like we said, doesn't have to. Uh, he can start doing extension stuff in July, um, but doesn't have to sign until until following July. Um, so with the cap continuing to go up, which I think is projected to do so again next year. Yeah, ten million for a guy like Barzell at that time. It depends on how many years it is, too, right? Because if he takes the max deal, he's going to get a little bit more money because they're going to anticipate the cap going up so much in those eight years or whatever he does. If he does yeah. take the four or five year sort of, I wouldn't say bridge, but you know what I mean, your mid level contract. I can see it being a little lower. Yeah, I can see it being like eight and a half, nine, something like that. But it really, it really depends on how other player salaries go by then, um, and and really how he starts off next year, barring the idea that he immediately just goes, I love the Islanders and size an extension in the summer. Cause this year he has the numbers to prove for sure. Um, and I don't think there's anything, to, any reason to suggest that he wouldn't, he isn't going to be a star in this league for years to come. I mean, his, his playing style is, is perfectly adapted to the new NHL. He's super duper duper fast, super creative. So he has all the tools to just continue to be a phenomenal player. Um, but yeah, I, I really think, uh, if, if it's a max deal, an eight year deal, I think you're definitely talking $10 million for sure. If it's shorter, maybe, maybe a little less. Yeah. But I agree. 
And I mean, he, he definitely needs help and that's not a, that's not a knock. Um, that's not a knock on him at all. Um, and you know, as far as needing help, uh, to, to bring this, uh, to the poll question that we asked, uh, before the last, uh, last installment here was we asked, uh, we asked which nineties slash 2000. So basically the non-dynasty, uh, bad memory Islanders that we all got to grow up watching. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we had a, a poll and thank you to everybody who, who voted in it. And, you know, far and away, Ziggy Palfy obviously crushed that, uh, that poll, um, you know, the Islanders do need their new Ziggy. They need, they need a guy on the wings that can score and snipe and make those moves. Um, I'm not sure. Did you, did you see how frequently we got harangued in the, in their replies for not including Pierre Turgeon? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and we'd spoken about on the actual podcast about maybe he was kind of on the edge of the dynasty era or, or something like that. So we were unsure about actually including him on the list. But, yeah, we got pretty reamed out for that. So I, I would say between Ziggy Palfi and and uh, and uh, uh, Pierre Turgeon, there was there, there were pretty much the clear-cut winners, with only Michael Pekka giving some sort of a run for the money, but but really not much. Yeah, yeah. I um, it, it made me feel young. It was kind of nice. Um, yeah. Although, oh, you leave Pierre Turgeon. I was like, listen, man, I was, like, pretty fucking young. <laughs> like... Like really, yeah. really young. I was four when uh, the majority of the people that were suggesting Pierre Turgeon, um, you know, were probably at that moment uh, cursing. Yeah, I, I got to ask a few people, um, you know, what their what their reactions were to that that Turgeon hit. Yeah, that that I like obviously I didn't see it live either, um, but it, it is fun to recount. And I, I do, I do love picking the brain of older Islanders fans because I remember that there's a guy that I used to work with at the pizzeria before I uh, before I put restaurant stuff mostly behind me, uh, and he's a, he's a huge Islanders fan as well. Uh, he may actually even listen to this podcast. He told me he would. So if you are John, what's up? Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, so John John's an older dude. He's uh, he's forties, so older than me. He's aging quite gracefully, um, and I remember bringing up the third jerseys when they came out. And I said, Ah, oh, you know what, man. I'm a little pissed about this. He's like, why? You don't like him? I was like, it's not that I don't like him. I said, I just feel like they have a slam dunk in front of them. And that's to do the damn fisherman jersey. Like, it's it's just a layup. Everybody wants it. And he's like, ah, man, you think so? I think those, dude, I don't know. Those things are just sort of reminiscent of a really bad time for the Islanders. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Like, I get it. The, I mean, the organization and team were a fucking disaster at the time, and those jerseys were reamed out for being so horrible. But I grew up with them. That those are the Islanders that I started watching, so I have such fond memories. Despite them being so bad, I was too young to truly understand the scope of how bad everything really was, and I was just having fun watching my favorite players, like like Puffy and stuff. So, like to me, they're they're reminiscent. They're just nostalgic. They look great. I think I, I remember like I was listening to Puck Soup the other day, and they had an interview with a guy who wrote about the fish stick jersey. And and they were just ripping it apart about how that was the worst jersey that's ever been created in sports and it's so ugly and what's with the wave and the toothpaste colors and blah. And I'm like, I never even thought of all these things because I honestly think they're sick. Like I still do. So that's kind of what it reminded me of reading the replies of the Kershaw thing. It's just about like just the total difference in in the way we we view the very same team and the very same events that happened. You know. 
I, uh, so yeah, I asked a couple of people cause you know, that when they said Terjan, I, I asked them, how did that align with, uh, how their feelings on the Terjan hit compared to how they felt about the, uh, the Tucker hit on Pekka and, uh, Isles meet up Tampa, which Islanders meet up is like such a Isles meet up rise up has been uh, a trend lately. I've been noticing it's just, uh-huh. they're, they're popping up all over the country. It's pretty, it's pretty, uh, it, it's rare to see something that you like on the internet. <laughs> um, but it's, that's been cool. Um, Isles meet up Tampa said my rage with the Pekka Tucker hit on a scale of one to 10 was about a 12 for the Turgeon hit. It was about 37. It's a good thing. I was watching that game at home because I'd, I'd have probably killed the first person who was wearing red. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, AZ Isles, who's at is at FL Isles guy. So not sure whether that's Arizona or Florida. It's, well, man, confusing for me. Which which corner of this country? Which very extremely hot and uncomfortable, but in totally different ways corner are you from in this country? Yeah, uh, that person said I was seven with the uh, with the Terjan hit happened, and remember my parents were so mad and cursed in front of me for the first time. <laughs> Damn, um, that's good that's a good one. Yeah, because <laughs> for me, for me, when like Pekka and Janssen got cheap shotted. In that same game in Toronto series, I was 13, and I like the, I wanted them to die. I remember yeah. I wanted I wanted uh, Tucker and Roberts to uh, to Dude, die. I wanted, I wanted Tom Wilson to die when he lunged at Lubomir Vizdowski. Like I, I, I we all have those moments. Game. Yeah, oh, you were okay, Jesus man. But like that, that, every single generation has their version of that hit, right? Like it's just. Every fan base has it. Every era has it. And, uh, yeah, the first one I remember was, was Tucker on Pekka for sure. That, that made my blood boil. I was a very young boy. The, uh, the, the ham man, shout out uh, to Brendan. Um, uh, he said, imagine, playing J- uh, imagine Jason Blake playing with Barzal, two speed guys with amazing puck handle. And, uh, you know, yeah. him bringing that up, I kind of feel like uh, that's kind of what we – have to some extent with Beauvillier. Um, mm-hmm. I think Blake uh, doesn't, Beauvillier doesn't come off as fast compared to Blake, but I think that's because Blake was such a great skater at such a shitty time in skating. I think yeah. that they might be roughly the same. Like, Blake, Blake was a more reliable scorer too. Well, you know what? I might be, it might be a little revisionist history at my point. I really have to go check back and see really how good of a scorer he was, but I mean, and it also has to do with the fact that Beauvillier has just been so on, off, hot, cold, and, and he's such a young kid, so there's so much time for him to figure it out. So I try not to like be too hard on him, but lately he's been tough to watch. Uh, I think they're, well, they're know, similar. Honestly, he's he's been better since since his third line demotion, honestly, which is interesting. That line is fucking dog shit, but uh, I think I think they're similar in that they're both speed guys that I think don't have the best um, vision or hockey sense at times. That's that's totally totally fair. My favorite reply was uh, was Isles built Long Island, uh, whose ad handle is at Coliseum Nassau, uh, who said Martin Straka, fisherman yeah. legend, baby, fisherman I think he, legend. I'm trying to think if he actually played. I feel like there was something weird where he only played maybe like a handful of games, and then he got traded. I got you right, right here. T- Twenty-two games for the New York uh-huh. Islanders in the year 1995-96. Those are the only games played for the Islanders. And he had 12 points in his 22 games. Not not too shabby. Not That's bad. I, that is a fisherman legend right there. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, think about the players who played in the fisherman jersey. He's probably the second best. 
Um, oh, and you know, a, a, a thought I had, you know, Ziggy Palfy, would he, would he have to undergo lose haircut policy? Because oh man, he'd have at to. That dude, Cal Clutterbuck did it, and he's a pretty hard headed guy. For, at least he seems like one. So I feel, I feel like I feel like no one's exempt, man. Here's a better question, because he's an absolute legend. If Yarmo Yager truly did get traded to the Islanders, like a lot, or signed by the Islanders, like a lot of people actually kind of, kind of called for, uh, the last year or two, would Yarmo Yager have to adhere to the haircut policy? Yeah, because did, did, because Lou does have a lot of veteran respect. He didn't make uh, Zika's change his number. He didn't make any of the, the veteran guys change their number. You know, Boychuk's still hanging on to fifty-five. So does that extend to haircuts? Does, does a legend like Yarmo Yager have to cut his hair under a Lou Lamorello regime? Didn't Yager have some flow um, when he was on the Devils? And, and yes. wasn't Lou on that? Lou was on that team. You're right. Wait, they did cross pet. He wasn't in Toronto yet? I don't think so. I don't I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was. Uh, I'm pretty sure. No, you're, you're definitely right. Yager played for the Devils in 14 15, which I'm. Just about positive. Mm, but Lou Lamarillo drafted Matthews, right? And I was 16. So this is, we're getting close here. You, you, go, yeah. you go read on a reply. I'm going to look into this. Hold on. Um, Which reply am I looking for again? In, uh, in, in, the, um, in the poll. I know some people talked about Adrian Acoin, too. He's another big island. Okay, yeah, that's actually what I wanted to dive into. So um, there were a couple things with Ocoin And... <laughs> I I said something like uh, uh, Janine um, at J nine uh, J A nine Zim uh, said Adrian O'Coin he played an insane amount of minutes was completely reliable defensively and had a cannon of a shot and I I responded you know just uh, somewhat objectively and I just said my only concern in like him in the modern NHL was that like foot speed. Cause it was something that he was average back then when the average was lower. Yeah. And, for sure. uh, and the thing was though, I believe, I believe O'Coin responded. I think O'Coin liked, cause she, she, she tagged him. Uh, he liked that. So then I was like, shit, did Adrian O'Coin think I was talking shit on him? You know, <laughs> We've lost. We've lost the guest for the pod. You know, it's, uh, we, uh, Dynasty Dodgers, the ultimate Islander shit talking podcast, and we're going. Yeah, we're, we're blacklisted, man. We're we're, uh, yeah. we're independent. We're the gawker of uh, of uh, Islander podcasts. <laughs> so but, Yager um, played for the Devils from fourteen fifteen, and Lamorello uh, joined Toronto in the summer of fifteen. So yes, he was on that team. He was. So now it's a matter of finding if he really did have sick hair at the time or not. Because I know he did go through a short hair phase. I don't think it was that short, though. I feel like it, it was flow-ish. No, dude. He had pretty short hair. The Devils, yeah. Shit. unbelievable. Now, yeah, like, see. now, did he just do that? Like, did he come in like that? Or, or like, was he like, fuck, like, I gotta do this. Like, I, I wish I could. Because now I'm looking at him with the flames this past year, and he has long-ass nice hair again. I don't, know, See, man. I don't know. I mean, the Devils was a few teams ago for Yager at this point, but yeah, no, his hair was absolutely in every single photo kept in check, and no beard either, not a, not an inch of scruff. If you got Ziggy, but then he didn't have the hair, I mean, do you have Ziggy at all? 
I'm not sure you have Ziggy at all. So I think that kind of maybe answers the question. I think he would have to adhere to the policy. Lou Amaral is basically the mafia. So I, I'd probably do whatever he says too. I, I appreciate uh, Bree. I believe it's Bree NYC. Uh, let me find this exact. But he was the he was one of the few people, or he's the, the only other person that identified themselves as voting for for Kenny Johnson. He said, uh, "Insert no, KJ respect. for for Pelic profit," and I was like, "Much respect." Yeah, insert Johnson for for Pelic profit. That's uh, at Bree NYC. Oh, um, is, yeah. Or is that Brian C? Mm, ah, Brian. <laughs> Brian. Oh, Sorry about Brian that, Brian C. C. He's, he's a but, city dweller, it says in his bio, and so he, he gets it. He's, Mark you know he's what? an Im- immigrant just like the rest of us. See, this, this guy gets it. Um, hey, I respect it. That's me-ish. I, I mean, it's my ancestry. I mean, well, it's really all of American ancestry. Uh, I think that's his point, yeah. For, I mean, except for, going for the indigenous, which... I mean, if you want to really dive into dive into the politics of that, um, well, that's a whole other podcast. I don't think um, that's a. Yeah, uh, this is an NPR. We're not sponsored by NPR yet, so we got to we got to see. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, you know what? So let's see. We'll. Uh, I think we'll wrap here. I I might do a little bit of a post game um, of the Oilers uh, react to the Oilers game, but let's say. I think we'll, we're, we're aiming to be back maybe the night of trade deadline. I, at the very least, I think I'll do it just to have some sort of reaction. If I can get one of the other guys with us, that would be great. We'll see what the Islanders do. Um, stay posted for a trade deadline-related poll that I think we will launch uh, with the release of this pod. Uh, Going to figure out what the exact ask is, but but we'll do it that way. And uh Hopefully, when you're hearing this, we'll also be up on Spotify and some of those other other joints. Uh, at the very least, we'll be on SoundCloud. Please make sure to follow us uh, at, at Dynasty Dodgers. Yep. So uh, that's that. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you very soon. It's been fun. See you guys.